Thank you for tuning in. Check out The Burnham Project on Substack. You can listen to Burnham Podcasts. You can see videos. You can read my blog. And you can get it all sent straight into your inbox. You can also watch us on Rumble and on YouTube. We like Rumble better, just being totally candid with you. You can also listen to Burnham Podcast anywhere that you can find a podcast. We're all over the place. So when you get there, make sure that you like, subscribe, share, click the bell, push the rumble button, whatever the service has to offer. Just do that. Tell people about us and make sure that people know that uh, Burnham Podcast is a thing and they should definitely listen to it. Thank you very much. Showing up. I'm oh in the competition class. Yeah. Anywho, we're rolling. I guess we yeah, can let's do get it. started. So we're back. Yeah. With Trip Durden. Yeah, take two. Take two. So we had Trip <laughs> on once before, and you wouldn't know this unless I told you. We had a, a malfunction, like a, a was it mechanical, electrical yeah. malfunction. Lost the whole episode. So Trip's back, and we're going to talk about we all kinds of fun stuff. We almost didn't even catch stuff. it because yeah, no, battery we just, went dead. Yeah. So we were like, let's look at it real quick, see what it looks like, because it was the first time y'all used camera. Yeah. And thank goodness we looked That's at right. it. That's right. You would have been the first. Because we'd have done the full thing yeah, and then yeah. found out. Yeah. You'd have been the first video episode. I would have been, man. man. I would have been. Somewhere Adam Colston smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Bless his heart. Yep, took that title from me. Yeah, yeah. But it's mm. all right. We got you in here. With minimal effort this time. Yeah, it was easy. Yeah. First time it was like a couple weeks long process trying yeah. to get you in. But, but you made it. Yeah. So you're at a different place now than you were when you were here kind of career wise kind of yeah okay can we talk about yeah. that yeah for sure okay. so i currently am the spiritual life coordinator at uh, fellowship christian school in roswell right that job is coming to an end on thursday okay. thursday is my last day in that position I knew it was close if it yeah hadn't already so passed. back in really back last summer um, a mentor came to me and said hey there's a church that's going to be looking for a full-time student minister Come August, will you be interested? And I said, no, you know, I'm going to be at school again this year. And then a few months went by, and in the fall semester, somebody else brought it up to me and said, I heard North Atlanta still looking for somebody. And they said, have you thought about applying? And I said, not really. You know, no. I, I know about it, whatever. Um, and then I had lunch with someone, and it was someone that used to go to that church, and they had left for some particular reasons, and they yeah. started listing out these reasons, and I'm thinking, that sounds like a pretty cool church to work at. <laughs> so it kind of got the it kind of got yeah, the wheels yeah. turning. So I sent my stuff in. We did a Zoom interview over Christmas break. We did a weekend-long in-person interview Saturday, Sunday, wow. the following month, and then February they offered me the position. So... Uh, it's been official since February. I've been kind of part time, right? You know, on the weekends and working with. They have a. Uh, there's another youth minister there named Kendra. She's a a, a woman youth minister there. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be part of my team, and I've been kind of working part time with her. Um, but Thursday, I'm I'm done official. and I'm stepping in. Yep, there you full go. time. Yep, be f back in a church job for the first time since 2016. Now so. we talked about this at one point, and you were not sure if you were going to be back in a role like that again. Oh, I never I never thought I would, Danny. Yeah. I never did. I when I left my first church. So, I grew up going to Church of Christ my whole life. Right. Um and the way Church of Christ works is if you want to be a youth minister, you do internships during the summer. Right. And it's out of those internships that you kind of build your network and get job offers, you know, pretty classic yeah. system. Um so I did two 
summer internships in Rome when I was in college, two summers in a row. Um, and my church job developed out of that internship. Um, there was a church that started in Rome from some of the people that went to the church I worked at in the mm-hmm. summers. Um, and so I went full-time there, part-time my senior year of college, full-time right after I graduated. Um, and when that job ended, I thought that's it for me in ministry. You right. know, it's a pretty classic yeah, youth ministry yeah. story. Um, and, you know, at the time when I left that job, I had this attitude about it like I got screwed over. Yeah. You know? And as I've gotten older, I look back and I'm like, there are some ways I got screwed over, but I, I, I wasn't really ready for the level of responsibility that job called for. Yeah. But the church didn't, wasn't ready to, to provide the structure that a young man in his first ministry job needed. So it was kind of just a perfect storm. And when I left that job, I told my wife, like, I don't think I'll ever do a church job again. Yeah. She was super burnt. I mean, you hear the story yeah, all the time. It's yeah. classic. It, it compounded in the fact that the people at that church had come from the previous church, and Jordan's dad was an elder at the previous church. Uh, so Jordan going to that church with me was kind of a big deal for her family. Right. And, you know, it was just a lot. And so I thought, that's it. I'm done. And luckily, I had went to school not to get a youth ministry degree. I got a history degree <laughs> for yeah. this specific reason. A mentor told me, the same mentor who told me about this job, said, hey, I wouldn't get a youth ministry degree. Right. I would get some other degree so you have something to fall back on. You're pretty pigeonholed with a youth ministry degree. Yeah, an average youth minister lasts like a year and a half Maybe. to three years. Yeah. You know, it's not a job that most people stay in as a career. Right. So I went and got my gaze, started looking at teaching history, couldn't find a history teaching job, um, even though I was certified and everything. And one day I was on um, the internet looking for coaching jobs, and I found a lacrosse coaching job at Fellowship. Okay. Um, and I've been driving an hour and a half to coach lacrosse at Southwest DeKalb, trying Ooh. to get my foot in the door. Right. Because I was in, like, scramble mode. Like, just anybody that would say, you can come be on campus, I'm showing up, hoping right. they would be like, here, we'll give you this job. Like, you've shown up. <laughs> yeah. You won't go away, so you can work for right, us. Right, yeah. And uh, so I'd just done that at Southwest DeKalb. I'm like, I guess I'll do this at this school in Roswell. So I'm driving an hour and a half to be a community coach every day in the spring. Oh. I'm subbing during the day. Uh, I think my stipend that that spring was eighteen hundred dollars. So I not worth it. <laughs> no. So I'd work a remote job, two remote jobs during the day. I would leave, go to lacrosse practice, or if I subbed that day, I would work my remote jobs while subbing a class, and then coach, like just doing anything yeah, to be in yeah. the building. And so they gave me a sub coordinator job, and then that following year, I'm in the office. And I hear somebody say, hey, we don't have a chapel speaker for tomorrow. So I kind of pop my head around, and I'm like, hey, if y'all need a speaker last minute, like, I'll do it. And they're like, are you sure? Like, it's tomorrow, (laughs) 9 a.m., it's 3 o'clock right now. I'm like, I got it. Like, just tell me what you want me to speak on. Like, here's the theme, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, got it. Easy, and it's like gives you a theme. That makes it easy. Bro, you give me a theme and a verse, like, come on, man. Yeah, come on. (laughs) So I go home, I write me a little lesson, go out teach it i come off stage and our assistant head of school meets me coming off stage like hey why don't you come see me in my office later today i'm like oh man i said something i'm in trouble i must have said yeah, something that's yeah. against like the, the school teachers or whatever but no he was just like hey what would you think about potentially doing more of this here yeah. i'm like i'd be interested so it started out i was just in charge of middle school and high school chapels yeah i had to find a speaker and a band that's it and so i started doing that 
Then they're like, what if you start helping them retreat? And then they're like, what if you do this? And before you know it, they had crafted this whole position for me. Job. And I'm like, oh, I'm a youth minister again. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm a youth minister in a school again. Yeah. So it's one of those things, like, not to be cliche, but, like, I just couldn't get away from it. Right. Like, it's just what it's I... It's funny how the calling of God I know, works, like, right? you know, and it's like, and I, I'm, like, the type of person who's not, I don't over-spiritualize things. I don't say, like, like, I don't even use that language of, like, being called or whatever. Right. But, I mean, I just... I just woke up one morning and realized like I'm doing ministry again without even meaning to. And (laughs) so once I realized that I kind of opened myself up to being like, maybe I'd go back to a church. Right. But I all, me and Jordan always said, it's gotta be the right church. It's gotta fit all the pieces. Yeah. And if one piece doesn't fit, then there's no shot. Absolutely. There's no shot because we both had experienced church hurt, not just as me working in a church, but as Kids growing up in the church, right? Um, you know, being—I mean, you know me—I'm—I'm I'm pretty rebellious. I'm like not an authority guy, so right. it's not weird to think that I've clashed in churches before. You know, I can so imagine. It—it—it yeah. it, it was always a thing. It was like it's got to be the right fit, and this one's yep. just was the first one that came along that was the right fit. So that's awesome. Yeah, man, man I'm excited. I'm excited. So you're full time there as of Friday, I guess. Yeah. So technically. I'm not supposed to be full-time till June 1st, but oh, okay. as most things happen, originally it was like, hey, I'm not working. I'm finishing out fellowship. I'm not working. But right. then you start looking and you're like, man, there's so much that needs to be done before summer. You start working on things yeah. and you get sucked in. So I've been part-time and I'm I'm planning on being full-time as soon as the school year. Like we go on an intern retreat with our summer interns on Monday. We kick off summer for the youth group on Sunday. So yeah. I've got Friday and Saturday, no church stuff. Come Sunday, it's like a youth group summer. So yeah. It's about to go crazy. So if you, you got big plans for the summer for your yeah. youth group? Or? Yeah, so we do a camp, and the camp I grew up going to, actually, um, called Impact. It's at David Lipscomb University in Nashville. Okay. That's in June. We have a middle school mission trip that's um, at our church building where we bus in some inner city kids. We do a VBS at our church um, in June as well. VBS, obviously, our VBS happens along that same time. Right. Um, July, we've got a mission trip out to Arizona. I won't be on that one because the church, because this kind of came about crazy timing, I'd already had summer vacations planned. Uh, yeah. Church is honoring my the stuff that me and my wife have already paid for, not making me take vacation time or you know anything like that. So right. I'm still getting to go on our vacation this summer. Um, but yeah, and then... Church of Christ summers, man, are just crazy because you hire interns. So every day they're at the building, kids are showing up to the building to hang out. Like it'll be, you'll be in the office, some kids will show up, and next thing you know, you're having a Nerf gun battle in the hallways. And <laughs> that sounds terrible. It, Who would want to do that? It, it, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And the interns are just like. I mean, the kids fall in love with them. It's yeah. two college kids who show up, and they're only there to hang out with you all summer. That's all they do. So like, you show up to the church office and I'm busy, you've got two interns that are there ready to go. <laughs> to like, get on the PlayStation. Let's go swim. Let's go play yeah. PlayStation. Like call some other people. We'll go to lunch. So it's, it's going to be, you know, wide open come yeah. summer. It always is. So well, that's, that's a good thing though, because so oh, many yeah. youth ministries shut down during the summer. Yeah. See, that's yeah. so crazy to me. I didn't know that until I talked to other people and they're like, yeah, my kids are traveling. I'm like, man, the church of Christ model is like when summer gets here, it is Every day, man. Like, well, it should be. I mean, during the summer, these kids are all out of school with nothing else to do. Yeah, let's give them some Jesus. And my, I grew up. My youth minister lived in the parsonage on our church campus, so you knew 
if you came to the church, he was there. Yeah. Like, yeah, he couldn't. If he went out of town, he was in his house or in his office, and yeah. you could just knock on the door. Um, and so for me, it was a never, never question of like, what was my youth group doing? Right. It wasn't like, are we doing something? It was, yeah. what, are it was what are we doing? We're yeah. gonna do something. What is it? You know. Um, and then I just was blessed with like a lot of really awesome families in the youth group too, right. like that did cool things. And so that's kind of, that's just the way the church of Christ youth group style is, is the school years are dead and the summers are crazy. Yeah. We got to fill up all their time, keep them out of trouble, yeah. you know, and if you, you've got them during that time with no other distractions, you might as well maximize it, you know, and that's, yeah. but that you got to be careful with that too, as the youth leader, because you're, looking at burnout. Oh yeah. Real careful. Oh yeah. And that's something that with, um, you know, I still, I'm going to live an hour from the church. So yeah, there, the church has let me work from home a couple of days a week. So summer I'll be there a lot, but come, come fall, they're going to let me work from home some. Right. So that's going to open up me to be flexible, be yeah. at home with Annie, James and Jordan. So it like, when I say all the pieces fit, like that was another piece. I'm like, Okay, like I don't got to move. Y'all gonna let me work from home a couple times a week. Like yeah. this is this is good. That's awesome. Yeah, man, man I'm excited. That's a lot of stuff to be excited about. Yeah. So do you do you get to preach like Sundays periodically, or how does that work? Um, we hadn't talked about it. I'm sure at some point I'll be tapped on the shoulder to do so. Yeah. Um, we um we have a really good preaching minister. Um, I'm very picky about preaching. Yeah. Like I'm very very picky. Yeah. Um, and I like to the point that my wife sometimes doesn't like to go to church with me because we'll come out of service. She's like, what'd you think about it? And I'm like, well, I really don't like the way that he used this passage. (laughs) I felt like the way he said, like the way he talked about this isn't really what it's trying to get at or, you know, or just his style or, you know, I just, I do it. So I'm nitpicky about it. Well, that's the thing. We got to be careful, right? It was just not nitpicking. Right. You know, right. And so I'm sure that I'll be tapped to do it at some point, but um, we also like the preacher has a preaching intern year round. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if he's not there, the preaching intern does it. Right. Um, and then I teach every few weeks in youth. We have volunteers teach as well. So okay. me and the other youth minister aren't the yeah. only ones on stage. Right. Because they get tired of hearing us. You know, they hear so much. I so, get it. I've been yeah, there. I teach this Sunday in youth class. So okay. Yep. What are we teaching this summer? <clears throat> I we are, so our theme this uh, summer is coming from Philippians three, um, and we're talking about where Paul says like um, I haven't yet obtained it, but here's what I do: forgetting what's behind right. and straining towards what's ahead. I press on toward the goal, upper goal and call of Christ Jesus. Yeah, um, that's our theme verse for this summer. And what we're doing is we're talking about the idea of like the theme is actually called behind, and then it's like a semicolon ahead. And so the North Atlanta's went through a lot of change over the last several years. Yeah. Um, Church of Christ don't typically mm-hmm. use instruments. North Atlanta began to use instruments. Ooh. Lost a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, Church of Christ typically don't have women in leadership. They moved women into some leadership roles. Mm. Lost a lot of people. And then COVID happened, and they lost even more people. Right. So um, the youth minister that I'm replacing had been there for 20 years. Holy it was smokes. his first job out of college. He had never left. Wow. He still goes to church there. He's yeah. just not the youth minister. Um, so there's been a lot of change. That's like unheard of. It's, though, he's man. a unicorn. He's yeah. a unicorn. That yeah. doesn't happen. Like he took the job when he graduated college and he never left right. until he went wow. to this next position. So, um, and he's, and you never hear about a guy staying as a member after yeah. they yeah, leave the job. You know, that's yeah. like crazy too. So the churches went through a lot of change. The youth group has went through a lot of change. 
So we're really wanting to talk to our kids about like, listen, like looking back at who we were or what we wanted to be like, that's not like we, we've got something we're being called to and pushed to that we got to keep straining towards. So we're going to do, um, throughout the summer, we're going to kind of cover Philippians, um, in pieces. And then in between those, we're going to have the interns teach and we're setting it up where they're talking about it. Okay. So like, there's this thing in our life, whether it's this thing we struggle with or this emotion, whatever, we're going to leave that behind in search of this. Mm. And so they're going to teach kind of like more topical and me and Kendra will take on dissecting Philippians as a book together. So, and I love Philippians. One of my favorite Philippians is cool, man. Philippians two is just unbelievable. So I'm super excited to teach Philippians. I can tell you're fired up. Oh man. I love Philippians. And you just rolled in here after jujitsu too. So like the blood's pumping. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, that's awesome though. So, but let's back up a little bit. Yeah. We've already put you in ministry. Yeah. How did you get, in the ministry to begin with, was it, did you seek it out? Was it something you thought you'd do when you were 10 years old? Or? Yeah, man, actually. Um, so when I was real young, the very first thing I ever remember wanting to be was an archeologist. Okay. Uh, but that quickly faded and I wanted to play NFL football. Yeah. Uh, but then when I got into, so my family always went to church. Yeah. My dad was not, did not go to church when I was young. My mom did. Yeah. Um, and, we went to a small church of Christ in Dallas, Georgia called Dallas Church of Christ. And go. my mom kind of was the volunteer who ran the youth ministry. Okay. Like there wouldn't have been youth activities if my mom wasn't setting them up. Right. Like I said, Church of Christ doesn't allow women to be in leadership. So it was it was even some people felt like Alicia shouldn't be the one organizing this stuff. Yeah. But but nobody else was nobody doing. else would. Yeah. You know? Like nobody else would. And there were kids there, so my mom kind of was this youth volunteer when I was a kid. Yeah. That church, when the preacher at that church died, um, the church dissolved. It just mm. didn't have the structure to stay together once he died. Right. Um, and we started going to Burnt Hickory Church of Christ in Marietta. Mm-hmm. And that church had a crazy, vibrant youth group. Um, a awesome youth minister, volunteers. They did trips, all that stuff. They had a killer VBS. So when I was in like second, third grade, we started going there. My sister immediately got involved in the youth group, got baptized at a camp. Um, and my mom started volunteering with that youth group. Yeah. Um, and I just was around it all the time. Like that's, yeah, yeah. and dude, when I tell you, like when I was growing up, like I didn't have friends in my high school. Like all my friends were church friends. Yeah. Like, I played football with guys and was buddies, but like my friends were all kids in my church. No, like I was driving to Marietta to be with my church friends. Um, and it was also the youth group. Um, and like the, the man, the guy who baptized me was a man named Sid Bloomer. He was my youth minister when I was in middle school. The guy who took over for him's name was John David Partain. Um, and he was like outside of my own dad, easily the largest male influence in my life. Right. Um, so just besides my dad, the men who meant the most to me and who made the biggest impact on me were youth ministers. Right. Um, and so early on, I kind of knew, like, I want to do this. Like, I, first off, it, it seems fun. Like, they're just hanging out with <laughs> just, us and doing cool out. stuff. Yeah. And they get the summers to do all these trips and everything. Right. Um, but also, I just, man, I just loved I just loved everything about it. And I've always been the person who loves to just talk about the Bible and talk about God. And, and I'm very comfortable with like all the different, you know, I'm very comfortable with like the broad 
Christian experience. Right. Like it doesn't, I, I, I long ago gave up the arguments of Calvinism versus Armenianism. Like that doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. to me at all. I yeah. just love, I love hearing it. I love talking about it. Right. I love reading about it. So uh, a lot of what I did as a high schooler was stay up late with my youth minister, just asking questions, talking, talking and it, stuff. Yeah. So it was something that early on, like I knew like, this is what I want to do. Um, so it was really like when that church job went south, it was kind of like a heartbreak thing. It was like, oh my, the thing I dreamed about doing is just not in the cards, you know? So the last six years has really been like a rebirth of what I always wanted to do. Yeah. And the the church that I'm doing it at now is a church I've been connected to loosely my whole life. Like I've known people who've gone here. Yeah. Um, I've gone to camp with them. Knew anybody there. Yeah. 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 So it's, it it is something that I always kind of wanted to do that. I always looked at like, and my mom, for all intents and purposes, was a youth minister for most of my life. She just didn't get paid to do it. Right. So I kind of learned from her and saw what she did. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're in ministry in any seat, it's about loving your people first, yeah. right? Yeah. So you go into it with that mindset, and you can do all kinds of fun stuff. If yeah. You just love the kids and yeah. meet them where they are. and But that's awesome, man. So you're getting influence from male figures, from your mom, from various churches and people yeah so you got a pretty broad experience going on yeah and i mean like i just like i said like outside of my parents the people who affected me most were coaches and youth ministers and a coach is like a youth minister by another name right yeah you know like neither you know jason's become pretty religious but pj doesn't doesn't market himself as a religious person right Right, but what he does all the time is ministry of it's a sort. It's a position of influence. Right, and, especially and, with yeah. the kids, man. Like, right. uh, like listen to him talk with William on the last podcast PJ did. Like, yeah. And tell me William doesn't see PJ as a minister to his boys. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like, tell me he doesn't. No, so I have 100%. I just looked around and was like, oh, the people in my life that are having the biggest impact are people in these positions. Right. So if I want to have an impact, I guess that's the kind of position I should seek well, that, out. And if you're a coach... They come to you, yeah, right, and, and and they come to you for the most part in church, yep. But there's still a little bit of recruiting that has to go on, yeah. you know, and at certain points. But yeah, dude, the amount of FaceTime you get as a coach compared oh, to as a youth man. minister is insane. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, like yeah. it's so lopsided. Yeah, you know, and especially if you're coaching like wrestling or track, where oh there's just gosh. a lot of downtime. Yeah, and there's like just standing you around. Yeah. yeah, just just like killing time at a tournament or at a meet or whatever. Yeah. Like, I always loved my football kids, and that was great, but we didn't have that time, right? I was Mm-mm. way closer to my wrestlers, uh, my track athletes, yeah. you know, cross-country kids, whatever. You just had time to just yeah. hang out, and, and that FaceTime you talked about. And it wasn't even necessarily that you're preaching a gospel message. It's that you're being right gospel-minded in everything that you do, right? and it rubs off. And then some kids maybe ask you a question. Well, like coach is a little different than, than some of these other people. Like yeah. what's different about coaching it? Yeah. And it's especially that way. Like I know you did community coaching, like a public school. Yeah. Like the private school worlds, especially the private Christian school world is so different. They're like, it's just shoved on them all the time, all yeah. the time, all the time. Yeah. But especially like in that public school setting, you have that opportunity to be exactly what you're talking about. Right. From that standpoint of like, Oh, he's carrying himself different, walking different, talking yeah. different. That Hopefully. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea, right? Yeah. Well, good stuff. So you, when did you, how did you get, we talked about your coaching deal to start with. Did you know anything about lacrosse before you started coaching? Uh, So I played in college. Okay, but I played I football did, in college. I did, but I. Okay. I, so 
I started playing football when I was four. Wanted to play college football from like a very early age. Um, that was like my whole goal was to play college football somewhere. Um, and I got a scholarship to play at an NAI school in Atlanta called Atlanta Christian College. It became Point University. Okay. It changed names when they became a university. So <clears throat> I played there my freshman year. First year they had a team, was defensive team captain, started outside linebacker, all that stuff. Um, we had a coaching change in the spring of my freshman year. First week of spring training was the first week with the new coaches. Mm. Um, I get a concussion the second day of practice, and I miss all the spring training. Um, can't leave my dorm for three weeks, basically, like in the dark, no TV, no reading. Like real bad. Bad, yeah. bad. Yeah, I went unconscious. <clears throat> I like – Wow. They had to be like, like get me up and get me off the field type thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so the way college athletics works is – Every off season, they do scholarship evaluations. Right. They say this is what we offered you last year, but it's a contract. It's up for renewal. Like right. this ain't this ain't a, Not four, a four year, year. deal, yeah. man. This is like if you mess around and don't do what you're supposed to. Like we can pull this thing. Yeah. You get in trouble, we can pull it. You get injured, we can pull it. Like there's so many stipulations. Right. And so I go to the scholarship meeting my freshman year, and the coach is like. You know, Trip. We know you played last year, but we weren't really here to get to see you play, and you didn't get to practice all spring. And we're giving you a lot of money, man. I was getting like eighty percent oh, wow. of my school paid for. That's solid. Yeah. NAI school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They. I was getting like the school cost twenty three thousand a year. Mm-hmm. I was getting like seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars to play football. Um. So the coach is like, "We're gonna cut it down to five thousand. And I go, "I'm like." Okay, five thousand a semester. I'm thinking he's talking right, about like yeah. ten thousand. I'm like, you know, he's like, no, I'm talking about five thousand flat, wow. twenty five hundred a semester. And I'm like, bro, like they couldn't go watch the film and keep right. you. At well, that's what I said. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, just turn on the film. Like, yeah. I was the starter. I was a team captain. But the way I mean, college sports, man. Like new coaches come in, they recruit their guys. Yeah. The old guys are kind of on the chopping block. So. At the time, Point had a rule that you could get either athletic or academic. You couldn't get both. Oh, wow. So at that point, my academic was going to be more, and I was dating a girl that I thought I was going to marry. I didn't want to transfer. So I was like, I guess I won't play football. I'll just take academic money, go to school, marry this girl, all that stuff, become a youth minister, you know, do the thing. Well, the next year, um, I'm looking for an on-campus job. And one of my best friends that I grew up with at church, uh, Matt Newland, is coming there to play lacrosse. And he's like, bro, the coach yesterday at a meeting said they need a manager. So, like, what if you come be an equipment manager? You get paid. You can travel with us to games. You'll get to hang out with me. Hang out with your buddies, yeah. Like, you'll be around sports. Like, it'll be great. I'm like, cool, awesome. So I signed up to be lacrosse manager. Um, We do, like, a week of practice, and then I show up to practice the next week, and Coach is like, hey, man, um, go over to my truck. I've got some equipment in there. I'm like, okay, cool. I go over to the truck. I get equipment out. I bring it over to him. And I'm like, here you go, Coach. Like, here's the equipment. And he's like, put it on. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, put the equipment on. I'm like, what are you talking about? So there are a couple guys who were on scholarship, had gotten in trouble, gotten pulled over, um, smelled like weed in the car. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The West Point police are pretty good about working with the school. Like, if they pull students over, they'll take them to school, school handle punishment. Right. Well, there's a car full of, you know, black guys from Atlanta that 
hear a rural white cop be like, just oh, give us the weed and man. we'll take you to the school and right. you won't get in any trouble at all. They're like, no way, bro. Like, we are not doing that. So they're like, no, we're not telling you anything. Oh. So they get him out and search the car. They find a gun that really wasn't in any of the guys. It was like their dad's car. His gun oh, was in the car. Man. But you're in possession of a firearm. This right. is not yours. All that stuff. So they get kicked out of school. Uh, so the lacrosse team is going to be under roster. They need lacrosse players. So the coach go, had gone to the athletic director and said, hey, who are some guys on campus that used to play sports here that might could play lacrosse? And the athletic director <laughs> tells him my name, and he's like, my manager? And he's like, yeah. yeah. So Coach Booker just said, hey, if you'll play this year and learn the game and you stick with it, I'll give you scholarship money next year. And Point had changed the rule about academic and athletic. You yeah. can get both. So I'm like, I'll try it out and just loved it. So I actually played in a lacrosse game before I ever watched one. Wow. I showed up to our first fall ball tournament a week later having never watched a game and I had to suit up to play. Matter of fact, that's not true. I watched a game right before we stepped on the field to play. Like it was a fall like ball tournament. Before. So I sat in the stands and watched a lacrosse game. Yeah. And when that game ended, I put my stuff on and we went and played. Imagine though, yeah. from a coaching standpoint, like it's hard enough to put a competitive team on the field. But to pull your equipment manager and teach Bro. him to play the game Bro. at the college level. We were the bad news bears of lacrosse. Holy let me tell you. Smokes. So lacrosse has ten guys on the field. You have three D poles and a goalie. Yeah. Three midfielders, three attackmen. Kind of similar to like hockey. You have lines that run right. on and off the field. Um we had eleven players. That's not enough. It's not. <laughs> it's not. So I played midfield. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the more, even though I didn't know any lacrosse, I was one of the more athletic guys. Right, yeah. And I was really good at short stick defense, which is like a super uh, important position. Yeah. So I never left the field. Like my wow. first year of lacrosse, I just ran up and down the field as a midfielder, never coming off the field. Wow. And just like killing myself. Oh, man. Um, and I mean, I loved it. Then I played three years in college. Yeah. Um, I ended up, you know, um, being a team captain the next year. Mostly just my leadership skill type stuff. Right. Um, I've played short stick D midi. And then my senior year, I was like fourth or fifth on the team in goals. Like just off of fast breaks and stuff. Man. So I love that. Technically, I got one year eligibility left. So if there's so a college out there, there looking for a bruiser, y'all just call me. <laughs> I'll get a year of master's work in. <laughs> oh, man. Just any old body, right? Any yeah. old college with a, a, year, a year of eligibility and a spot on the roster. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Man. I'll show up for one more go around. Would you, though, like right now? <laughs> Probably not, bro. Probably not, man. I always tell me, when you get old faster than you think. It sounds good, but. It does. Go back but and college like, lacrosse is Lacrosse is a tough sport. We have, like, at 30, too, right? So I picked you up at 30. Yeah. And kids on the team are calling you pops because they're Ugh. 19. You Just know, be like, brutal. Staying in the hotel room with these punks. Just and... be brutal, man. <laughs> Just be absolutely brutal. Uh, it can also be a Tuesday night at Scramble. So, like, whatever. Right. You know. I mean, yeah. And if you can make it through a Tuesday night at Scramble, there's That's true. not play. many places you can You can't... still got it. Let's make some calls. Yeah, for real. Well, Barry and Shorter got teams. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, right here in go. town. <laughs> oh, man. So you're you're looking at different aspects of ministry, and you've been a coach, and you're you have been and are again a youth yep. pastor. Um, do you ever see yourself making the jump? I had another pastor in that chair a little while ago. And we yeah. talked about almost the same thing. Do you see yourself making the jump into a senior pastor type role, pastor in big church? That is that is not something I've ever thought I would do. Yeah. Um, until like the last year. Yeah. I think. I think the last two years have really shown me, A, that I'm pretty gifted 
speaking. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm pretty geared towards it. Like a lot of people all the time will tell you like the thing that scares them the most is getting up in front of people speaking. Oh, yeah. But yeah. like I literally if you if you said, Hey Trip, every day you've gotta be able to get up on stage and speak for fifteen minutes about something and every night you gotta churn out a new one. Yeah. Bro, I can do can that. Do it, right? I can do yeah. that. Like it's it, it's not hard for me to be up on stage. Yeah. And it's not it doesn't feel like work for me to sit down and put something together. Like right. I enjoy the process of yeah, of yeah. making something. Um and and being able like I the way that like um PJ and Matthew and those types get very like energized off of competing in jujitsu. Yeah. That's how I feel about standing up on stage to preach. Like I, 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 I like feel it. energy yeah. from being up in front of people. And, and I, I know people in the church world don't like to call what we do performing. Yeah. But it is, it on, is. Some level, yeah. and on some level you are performing and I enjoy that. Um, and I think that I've had some good examples in the last five to six years of what a really good, pastor looks like yeah what they do when they're not on stage preaching right and it's stuff that i look at and go man i have a i have like a heart for doing that stuff yeah um so i'm not at a point where i'm like that's the game plan um by any means but if it happened i i wouldn't be shocked and i wouldn't necessarily shy away from it if it presented itself um even you know like at fellowship multiple times people have asked me like have you thought about this? I'm like, not really. Yeah. Like that's not, I just never pictured it. Yeah. But my great granddad, funny enough, my great granddad on my mom's side, when I was a kid, he taught, he would joke about what me and my siblings were going to be when we grew up. And he always joked that I was going to grow up to be a Baptist preacher <laughs> because I was loud and yeah, crazy yeah. and animated. Baptist church um, of Christ. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's what he always said. He's going to be, he said he couldn't be a church of Christ preacher. He's way too animated for that. But, oh man. But yeah, I could see myself doing it. Yeah. Once again, it'd have to be the right, the right situation. Gotta yeah. yeah. Gotta be the right situation. Well, that's what we agreed. And we did, we did an episode earlier tonight in here. I know yeah. the pastor and we talked about the same kind of thing and it was like, neither one of us ever thought mm-hmm. that we'd be pastors. Right. And the way we went about our our journey to become a pastor was completely unconventional too. But yeah, this is your first this is it, church, yeah. right? Yeah, first one, and it kind of I don't say and it, it wasn't a church. Lap. It wasn't really a church before mm-hmm. you no we, started we, with we it. We right? founded the church, right? Yeah. So that was a it was a whole different experience as far yeah, as I becoming mean, your church plan and becoming a pastor. That's at the same yeah. yeah. So I'm. I think two years in, I'm starting to catch up with the curve. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, Tango were talking what last week about whether or not a pastor was a content creator. Yeah. I mean, right. You're talking about being a performer a minute ago. So like, these are the questions that we're asking in 2023, right? Is a pastor a content creator? Like we don't record our services, but on some level, like we are. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, if you step, if you step out of the traditional, forms of Christianity and you step into anything that even resembles a non-denominational church, that pastor's a content creator. Yeah. Like yeah. I just went to a conference called Lift yeah. that's done by Passion City. Louis Giglio is a content creator. Oh, hundred percent. But he's a content creator. Yeah. Now the man can preach. He's got yeah. the skills to be up on stage right. and communicate and all those things. But at a, at a base level, he's an idea guy. 
He's yeah. like, what can we put in front of people that pulls them in? What can we like put out that like generates excitement and you know those sort of things? Like that world of Christianity has definitely got content creators yeah. in the in the job title. And I sure. saw I saw Louis one night at what was it called? It's called Seven Twenty Two. Yeah, that was old. That's old yeah, school right Louis there, bro. Broke a, uh, this big old mirror with a bar stool in there one yeah. night, and it was. The sermon was something about how God, we could never put that mirror back together. Yeah. But God can put us back together. Yeah. I really just remember him smashing the mirror. Yeah, with the, with yeah the dude, he's been doing it a long time. Yeah, yeah, he's this been was, doing it a long time. This was twenty time. years ago. Yeah, and that's that's something that, like I'm pretty skeptical of the megachurch yeah. model. Um, I I'm not skeptical of the heart behind it. I think a lot of them have their hearts in the right place. Right. I just think that it sometimes becomes, um. It becomes, I don't want to use this term, but I just don't know what other term to use. Say it. It becomes spiritual masturbation. Like okay. It's like this. It's like we're, we're all showing I up. I wasn't ready for that. It's like, <laughs> it's like we're all showing up and we're all like doing this high produced worship and this high, like everybody's in and everybody's like getting after it and all that stuff. But I'm like in that model to me, specifically Passion City, seems to be about I think I I think Louis's hope is that he serves the church. Yeah. And the church goes out and serves other people in their own congregations. I think that's fair. Yeah. But I think what a lot of times happens is people show up and they get what they're looking for. Uh, I think that's fair too. <laughs> and then that's the right. end of it. And they're yeah. like, man, worship was amazing. That speaker was amazing. And it is. Like it's it's a highly produced, amazing show. Right. It really is. is what we, and yeah. I've, I've been in those conferences and big worshipers and had real moments of praise and worship. I really yeah. have. But I just, I just wonder at like the, the, the end result of it. Right. Like what's really coming from it. Like the Asbury stuff that happened several months up. ago. <laughs> I told when somebody was talking about that, they were like, everybody kept saying revival, revival, revival. I'm like, what's happening right now doesn't determine if it's revival. Right. Like what's a bunch of, on? a bunch of people worshiping doesn't, doesn't make it Just revival. The hair stands up on the back. Of your we won't know time. if it's revival till 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. Yeah. Like that's what will determine if it was revival. Right. But if all those people come and worship and have the best experience ever. And when they go back, their towns and their communities aren't different because of what they experienced there. Right. Then that's not revival. That's just a good worship service. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is what I worry about in that mega church model. Now, yeah. that being said, I'm about as biased against that model as you can be because I come from a denomination that doesn't even use an organ. So, <laughs> like, like yeah. Church of Christ, I know Church of Christ people who are like, no PowerPoints. Right. Like, yeah. No yeah. clapping in worship. Yeah. So I'm very biased towards it. So I try to temper my thoughts on yeah, it from that yeah. way. But one thing I will say about Louie specifically is the man's been doing it forever. Yeah, he's been at it for 30, 40 years now. And you've never heard a a scandal. Right. You've never heard his, I mean, his wife's involved with him there. Yeah. Christian Stanfield's one of the biggest worship leaders in the world. This past week at conference, they sat on stage and Christian Stanfield talked about how when he was dealing with alcohol abuse, he called Louie, mm. who was his boss and lead pastor, and Louie walked in, like helped him get help and walked him through it. So there's a lot that I think you can point to and raise alarm about. Right. But I don't think Louie is 
like I, I think Louis is like a good man yeah. who's trying to do like what right. he can. Well, they're the guys, and it doesn't that, seem to be like this fake anything. It seems no, like he really he, is he who he like says a who he is. Genuine guy. He may be wrong about some sure. things, but I don't think it's malicious. No, there's some dudes out there yeah. that are just trying to fatten the pot, yeah. you know, and they yeah. got sixty thousand dollars hidden in the bathroom wall or whatever. I don't think Louis is that guy. No, I don't think so. Either. There are a lot of things, and I'm sure he makes a lot of money. But I don't I'm think sure he's he does. that guy. It's a huge church. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm with you though. I'm skeptical of, of just the big church model. Yeah, we've we've it's talked hard. about here at Rome Reform. We got you know 30 people on a yeah. really busy Sunday, and we've already said by the time we get to a hundred, it's time to look at planting another church. Yeah, like here's, here's your here's your leader. Here's 30 people go yeah. do your thing. You know, and yeah. but it just doesn't. You're in a church that big and like your your deacon of the week or right. whatever doesn't know your name and you've never met the pastor right and it's, like, it's so okay. it's so dependent on on every member being super sold out and involved in small groups volunteering right and passion seems to do a pretty good job of their yeah, people yeah. doing that but i just am like i i just once again i go like how is it how is it sustainable for people, I, I just don't know that it is. But I also, I also am willing to say, in a city like Atlanta, how do you have small churches? <laughs> like, there's so many people. You would, I mean, you just have to have a bunch. Of how them. are you not attracted? <laughs> how are you not attracted to this man? This church down here does amazing worship every Sunday. Christian Stanfield's on stage. Yeah, David Crowder might pop up. Right. And yeah. Start yeah, playing yeah. the piano. Like, I'm gonna go see that man. I'm yeah, gonna go I've see. I've been it. there before for for that reason, yeah. right? Which right. is totally the wrong reason to go. Right, but let's go see the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's uh, no, I, I'm not a fan of the, of the big church model, and yeah, you know, you gotta you look at that for what it is, and and maybe there's some churches somewhere that are doing it right, but right, they they the big church lost me when I went. I'm just gonna make a, a bunch of people mad <laughs> when I went telling thousands of people all at once are tuning out. Um, when I went to First Baptist Woodstock, and we parked in. Lot F, and got on the tram and rode it to the church, and I was like, okay, like I could see the church, like it's over there, you know, from the parking lot, and we'd get yeah. on the shuttle bus and ride it up, and then it's raining when church is over, and like I can't find the shuttle bus now. Like, I don't, know. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's riding. I was like, man, this ain't this ain't it. Yeah, and I don't remember what Johnny Hunt preached about that day. I couldn't yeah. tell you. Um, it may have been great, maybe the yeah. best sermon ever, but that's what I remember about that right. church. Walking a mile and a half, and like I don't know anybody, and I don't—I didn't live in Woodstock, so it wasn't like I would know anybody. Right. I'm, I'm thinking, how long would it take me in this church to make friends and get involved in a yeah. small group, and you know all the things that you do in church? We were at the—I don't know—the third service of the day. We were in the little sanctuary with only like three thousand people. You know, the big ten thousand seat sanctuary. They meet there at nine, and then we were at the eleven service and. 20, 30, I don't know how many thousands of people, but it's like going to a Braves oh, yeah. game. You know? There's a lot. That church is huge. Yeah. That church is huge. We got students. I've, I know students whose families go there. It's enormous. But then the other thing is like, what's your definition of a big church? You know, like you said, your church is 30 people. Yeah. My church is, the church I work at is probably 500 people. Yeah. But it used to be 1,500. So it's like, mm-hmm. there's like levels to this yeah. thing yeah. of, so, one, like, even in the school model, one thing I've we've been like is like, okay, all these kids go to North Point, you know, Andy Stanley's church or right. Passion or you know whatever. 
they provide this production, what can we provide in that smaller format in a school where you can do small groups and other things? Yeah. You can get be more intimate and more like, you know, connected and yeah. like that sort of thing, deeper yeah. relationships. Um and I'm you know, it's just it's hard to know like at what point does that stuff start to break apart? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Like it's tough. Well, that's what we're looking at now. How do you how do you grow your church? How do you get more people in? And the the things that you have to use to grow your church end up they they can be the thing that undo you in the end. Yeah. So if you're looking at like, hey, come in here, we got this laser show or whatever, yeah. you know. And uh, I think it was Spurgeon that said, if you have to put on a circus to get people to come to church, you got to keep the circus going to get them to stay. Well, like yeah. how long how long does the circus last? Um, or we could just preach the gospel and that's either going to draw people or it's not. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of what we resigned to. Yeah. And there's a, uh, there's a podcast I listen to. It's, it's changed names, but it used to be called the bad Christian podcast. Uh, <laughs> and they named it after that CS Lewis quote about there are like, uh, like talking about the idea of somebody is a Christian, like he might be a bad Christian, yeah. but he's still a Christian. Right, right. Um, and they used to, one of the guys on there, Toby Morell, used to always say like, you want to know if people really care about the church? He's like, turn off the AC and see how many of them show up. <laughs> like, is are they really care about gathering yeah, there? Yeah. Or if they find out the AC is not on in the middle of summer, are they going to not show up? Or are they at least going to be like, hey, what if we do it outside? Or like, but right. most people would be like, oh, I'm just not going to no, go this week. Go. You know? yeah. I, mean, I always thought that was funny. Like, even something that small. That's 100% like, true, though. When you, you really boil it down to that level. You know, like, would you do this without air conditioning? Oh, bro, you know? one of the things we're that in like... Georgia, man, and it's, it's almost June. Well, one uh, of the things that like me and Jordan have talked about, like in my transition back into church where I'm like, we can't... There, there's not a Sunday where we get to be like, we're just going to stay in bed today. Yeah. yeah that's like, gone. We're giving up that right. That's gone. And yeah. that's been nice. That's been nice since 2016. If we wake up on a Sunday, we're like, we're not feeling it today. Yeah, today, that we get today, to. You know, but then you start thinking about like, how many Sundays have I done that? Like, more than you should. More than <laughs> right, right. Like, how yeah. many days have we been like, you know what? The church we go to is a 40 minute drive. What if we just don't? You yeah, know. Yeah. And like, that's one thing that I'm excited about with the church. I was like. Now it's like you gotta go. Like yeah. there is no coming up with a reason to. Well, not. I was having this like, conversation with somebody not long ago. Like there's days with the pastor, and there, there's days you don't feel it. You don't want to get up in front of people yeah. and preach a sermon, or or get up and like get the kids ready. Oh my gosh, to go because that's the worst time. That's, right? that's the, the one. <laughs> trying to get them all in the car and their hair, you know, whatever. And oh, man, I could just sleep in today. Oh, I'm the pastor. Yeah. I have to go. You know, yeah. or you're on staff. You gotta be there. Yeah, you don't have the work anymore. But that's, I don't know. I, I try to be careful when I talk about it in this context. But that's laying down your life. You're not dying, right. obviously, but you're giving up. No, but yourself. I think. No, but I think that you are a little bit like I. I think that like uh, even going back to Philippians two, where Paul goes through and talks about you know. Christ being in the same nature God did mm-hmm. not see being one with God as something to aspire to. Right. And he talks about he laid down his life, like all those things. Yeah. Paul and then later Paul gives us these examples of two Christians who like believed in God and then because they believed in God and in Jesus, they lived their life this way. Um one of them gets sick 
and almost dies. Epaphroditus gets sick and almost dies. And then the other one does this, you know, Paul talks about what he did. And he says, like, these two men are examples of people who followed the pattern that I just gave you in this poem. So he says, chapter two, this is what Jesus did. He could have been like God, but he chose not to be. And instead, he laid down his life even to the point of death. And even in because he laid down his life, death could not hold him. Like, that's what made it. So I think what, as Christians, a lot of times what we're being called to do is ha- die a bunch of little deaths. Yeah. Like, not the, re- not the death. Not the physical death, But yeah. just to be like, my life doesn't mean anything. Yeah. My life only means something when I decide it means nothing. And yeah. the way I decide it means nothing is by serving other people, giving away my possessions right. and my money, not fighting to keep it, like not worrying about my own safety and stuff, worrying about other people. Yeah. Um, and it's this like paradox. I mean, Jesus says it like he who tries to hold on to his life will lose we'll it. Lose it yeah. And he who loses his life will find it. So like, yeah, you're not dying. Right. But you're not you're not using your life to live the life that you want to live. Right. You're giving your life away. Yeah, you're taking up your you're, cross. You're and, mimicking what Jesus did. Yeah. So, like, I used to, there's been periods in my life where I, like, didn't want, like, actively was like, I don't want to be a Christian. Like, I don't want <laughs> yeah, to be. It's I'm hard. actively trying to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I'm trying to put it off and say I don't care. I don't right. believe it, any of that. Yeah. Um, and even in those times, something that I could not, like, the thing that kept me from shaking the Jesus stuff was like, okay, if I remove his divinity... Like if I just say he wasn't God, he didn't die for our sins, all that stuff. Yeah. It seems pretty clear that at the very least, he was a man whose life and story is is an example of how you find purpose in like laying down your life for other people. Yeah. Like you may not believe any of the other stuff about Jesus, but it seems pretty clear that he knew how to treat people. Yeah. And it seems pretty clear like at its core, the story of Jesus is... An example of how you find purpose and meaning by not caring about your own stuff. Right. And that, to me, is like the most compelling thing I can think of. Yeah. It's like, man, even those of us who have the best lives, like money and health and stuff, look at the world and go, this is pretty garbage. This sucks (laughs) pretty bad. How do I, what's the point? Right. And it's it, to me, it's very compelling to be like, uh, the point is that you're not supposed to be trying to make your life great. Yeah, you're just supposed right, to be trying right. to like give it away. Like, yeah, well, you're building, the pour kingdom. yourself out. Like, yeah. Um, Rob Bell is like, <sighs> right. Okay. Right. right. <laughs> okay. And even blind squirrel finds nut every now and then. Well, he said this thing that I think is so unbelievably powerful. A guy comes to Rob at a conference that Rob's putting on, and Rob is giving communion out. Yeah. And the guy walks up to Rob, and he takes the bread, and he says, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And he gives him the the bread, and he gets the wine, and he gives him the wine in hands to him. He says, this is the blood of Christ poured out for you. And the guy's holding it in his hands, and he looks at Rob and says, I don't know that I believe that. And Rob said, well... What I want you to do is, I want you to go and be by yourself and take communion. He said, but what I want you to think about is, how can I 
be broken for others? And how can I be poured out for mm. others? Like, if you can't get there on the spiritual stuff right now, yeah. start there. Do I believe that I'm called to be broken for others and poured out for others? Yeah. That's a starting point. And to me, that's like the thing that compels me to huh. like continue down this path is I believe that that's the best way to live my life. Yeah. Whether Jesus is God or not, the best way to live my life is for other people to be important and me not to be. Yeah. Like that's the most compelling piece. Man, I have to say Rob Bell's right. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Those words don't, they don't taste right. I mean, but I mean, that, that's true though. Yeah, that's true. That, that's the most basic tenet of Christianity, right? Is that right. You, you love your neighbor um, apart from the most basic, I guess, is loving God. But if you can start with loving your neighbor... Yeah, but then you have loving, to ask yourself, loving wow. your neighbor is loving God. Right, yeah. Like, that is how you love God, yeah, is by yeah. loving your neighbor. You know, like, yeah. he gave you them. Love them. Just love them. He's right and there. And by doing yeah. that, you love God. Oh, because guess who was our original neighbor? God was. Yeah. He yeah, lived the very with first us. One. Yeah. He lived with us, and we ran him off. But, yeah, because you know. we're dumb. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff, though. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to wrestle with that. Yeah. Because you, you get good stuff, I guess, every now and then, even... You know, the Smiley O'Reilly's of the world will say yeah. something good every now and then. Yeah. Um, he warned my heart a few years ago. I was on Twitter, and I saw that he said something about, you know, you didn't choose God, God chose you. And it made my little Calvinist heart burn. Oh, yeah, you start to like. But I was like, oh, who's this guy? That's, kind of, that's nice, whatever. And then I was like, oh, he's still, you know, that guy. So whatever. But uh, Is there a name for that idea in Calvinism? What's that? The idea that God takes a step towards you, like, like you did not move closer to God. God moved closer it's to you. Predestination, right? But I didn't know if there was like it was like a smaller like piece. Is there another word for that? Um, like I was thinking through tulip, and I couldn't think of which one might apply. That, that. irresistible be, grace. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's okay. irresistible grace. Like you, just, okay. there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You can't reject God. Right. You can't choose God. It was all settled before the foundations yeah. of the earth and. Yeah, he chose us in him, and all so that stuff. logically, if that's the case, it had to be him, not you. That did right, it. right. Well, because okay. we would never choose God on our own. Right, we're dirty, rotten sinners. Right. So yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> it goes way back, you know, even to then. But yeah, that's uh, I don't know. They they find some good stuff every now and then, but you got to weigh those guys out. Yeah, and go. Well, he said this one good thing, <laughs> but maybe he heard it from somebody else, and then <laughs> yeah. made it his own tweet and sent it out. But uh, yeah, yeah. Look at what they say most of the time, I guess. Yeah, sift out the false teachers. Yeah, which is a job, like all by itself these days. Yeah, which is you know because as a minister, you know how much other people are exposed to theology. Yeah, good, bad, you know, whatever. So yeah. you're, I, I'm looking at a room full of adults and going, I gotta protect these people mm-hmm. from that bad theology. You mm-hmm. do it with kids. Yeah. That's a whole different challenge. I think it's a lot easier with kids, but simply because kids are kids for me it's about giving them enough to keep them interested. Yeah. And I fully believe that like the whole the Holy Spirit's like working on us as individuals and like he is going to pull them in the directions they need to go. But if I can just get them to be interested in it, mm-hmm. like just enough to like, they don't just wipe their hands and push it away, then I feel pretty good. Yeah. And if they come to me with questions, you know, I, that's like where the real meat of what you're talking about is, is right. like, you know, engaging with them there. 
Um, and I think I, I think adults is like the ones I worry about the most with that because a adults have their minds made up. Like right. me and you could spend 10 years in this room discussing our ideas about predestination and the other yeah, one's not going to change their mind. Of us, yeah. You know, <laughs> like we just have our minds made up. Right. But then also like so much of what, who the kids listen to and believe is based on who the adults in their life listen to and believe, yeah. you know? And so for me with kids, I'm trying my hardest to not give them my version of Christianity, but just introduce them to Jesus and let like, let him take care of the rest. Yeah. You know, that's like my goal. Like if I can introduce them to the person of Jesus, then the same way that he's done the rest with me and is not has done the rest is still doing the rest with me. Then they'll, he'll keep doing the rest with them. Right. And you know, I am positive that there are things that I believe right now and that I would stand on stage and preach right now. And I'm going to get to heaven and be like, shoot. Oh, blew it. <laughs> missed it on <laughs> I that missed one. that one, and I preached that one several times. Yeah, like, yeah. I did that one a lot. I loved that one. Right. And, I felt good about it. Yeah, right. Um, and, it, like, it, it's, and it's one of the reasons I'm so comfortable with the broad Christian experience is because it seems so clear to me, like, if it's about us having right theology, then... I'm pretty screwed. Oh I yeah, think. we all are. <laughs> I'm know, pretty screwed. We've, we've all like, missed the boat. The somewhere. Bible God gave us did not lend itself to like this, like A B C D understanding. Yeah, you know. Uh, I was even talking to somebody the other day about how in one of Paul's letters in Timothy, he tells Timothy like to beware false teachers, and if there's other people teaching this gospel, then like to stop them and everything. Yeah. But then in Philippians, while he's in prison, he says there are people that are preaching the gospel to gain money and to gain <laughs> yeah. favor. Don't stop them. Right. I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? Are we stopping people who are teaching for the right, wrong reasons? Right. Or are we not? Uh, you're dividing you know? the intentions of their heart. And, right. You know, so it's like... It's a discernment issue. Yeah. So for me, it's like if I can get the kids to care enough to like listen when someone's talking about God. Yeah. That's like, that's it. I did it. Yeah. I did it. They are like leaned in discussing. You're leading short attention span theater there. So if you can get them to to just listen, I talk 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops and I'm done. That's all. 15, 20. That's it. Wrap it up. Cause you lost after 30 minutes anyway. Yep. And if I, if I can work in any kind of like actual illustration where I have something on stage with me, than I do. Yeah. Just because I prefer not to. I really like to, I'm a very, uh, I try to, my style tends to be very academic. Like yeah. I'm very like, okay, we're going to look at the Greek. Like what did this Greek word mean to right. these people? Um, or the Hebrew or whatever. But with kids, I still do that, but I'm often end up doing like, a, like one time I did this sermon illustration where I had a, a water bottle that's like one of those purifiers and you can like put dirty water in it and mm-hmm. you squeeze it and it comes out clear and this one was strong enough that you could put like coke in it and it would come out clear and strain the water yeah it, wow. it, like it'd come out clear <laughs> yeah. so stuff like that i've had a chess board on i did a palm sunday lesson for students one time where i talked about um the idea of like in the game of chess the king is the most important piece right and he's, it's all about protecting the king and keeping the king from harm but in Jesus's kingdom, Jesus turns that upside down, and the king is the one who goes out and fights, like yeah. does the hard thing and gives himself right. up. 
Um, so have a chessboard on stage and be playing chess while I'm speaking. So I try do to do that. stuff like that, <laughs> but it's just because if I don't, kids just like it's different. With just kids. zoom out, yeah, dude. Gotta, adults are in this day and age. Adults are hard to keep. Yeah, well, everybody's listening. so their their attention spans are just whittled down oh, man, by these things. Phone. Yeah, no, we these just things. zip it out. And, and in church now, it's so easy for you to be on your phone and if somebody calls you, I'd be like, I was looking at my Bible. <laughs> no, I preach every Sunday. Bring like, your paper Bible. Yeah, like so how many no, people? No, how many people are like? Say they're on their Bible app, but I know I look and see glowing faces, and I, yep. I wonder if he's in Matthew with us right now, or if he's watching YouTube videos, right. or you know whatever. Right. And listen, I've been in the crowd. I've peeked over and seen some dads watching golf on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. it. <laughs> Working on watching videos on their short game. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I usually ask people, yeah, before they come on, if there's anything they don't want to talk about. There's one more thing I wanted to okay. get to with you, and if you don't want to go into this, okay. just go tell for me. it. Um, we've talked about being called and being yep. chosen and having purpose. Yeah. Now you in your life have almost died. Yeah. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Didn't you like you sort of died one time at least, right? Yeah. I mean, I was without oxygen for seven minutes. Okay. So there depends you on your definition of death, I guess. So, but when people give you the classic line. And they say, well, you must have some purpose. Yeah. And you, you don't like that. I don't. I don't. Why not? Uh, here's why I don't like it. Because so many other people went through the things I went through, car wrecks, drowning accidents, even worse things. And it didn't turn out that great. Mm. And when we tell people, when we tell people like God has a, when we tell people that like this was part of God's plan, what we're telling a large portion of the population is that God's plan was for you to suffer immensely. Mm. So I know from like a perspective of someone with your theology to you, that feels like very like, but yeah, he did right. Like he did intend these things, but it's just hard for me to stomach the idea that God intended for the young girl who got raped yesterday to experience that or even worse murdered at, yeah. Whatever age, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so it's not so much that I don't think that God works through those things, because I do think that. Yeah. I just think that saying like like approaching it that way, it does two things. One, it makes the people who like like I after my car wreck, there was a guy I went to the church with named Anton. Mm-hmm. And Anton was in a car wreck and was paralyzed from the neck down. Um I guess he has some use of his arms, but just enough to move a wheelchair. Right. Um, and I had to sit in church a couple of weeks after my accident in a college class with Anton and be like, why, why did Anton get paralyzed? And I walked away fine, you right. know? Um, and I'm sure there's an answer for that. Oh, sure, yeah. I'm sure there is. Yeah. But for us to pretend like we can explain that or give give logic or anything for it. Yeah. I think sets up people like Anton to feel like, well, God really like screwed me. Doesn't love me. Maybe he really like put it to me and Anton being paralyzed. Like that's horrible. That's awful. That's, I can't imagine there are people on earth who have experienced suffering beyond belief from that. Like I, yeah. So that's number one. Number two, I think it sets people up like me who have experiences like that and come out of it. It makes it puts pressure on those people to feel like, well, 
God has a plan for me, then I've got to like, now I've got to be something, you know, like I've got to like meet that level. Cause okay. Most people have not experienced near death experiences, so they don't know this, but you almost die once and people are in the hospital telling you, dude, imagine what you're going to do. Like God saved you. You got ejected from a car going 65 miles an hour. The car rolled. You had minor injuries. You were only in the hospital for three days, four days, whatever. Dude, God must have a crazy plan for your life. Like, he's going to do amazing things. Yeah. Less than a year later, you drown. You're without oxygen for seven minutes. You survive again. And those people are, like, doubling down. They're like, bro. Oh, man. So you start to be like, what am I supposed to do? Like, Yeah, who am I supposed to be? What? Like, what do you mean? Like, you're supposed to start walking on like, water one of these days. Right, exactly. So it sets people up to try to meet that or try to be that. You. And when you're not that, because you're just a man, yeah. <laughs> you're just a person <laughs> right. who's not special really right, right. compared to the guy next to you, yeah. you start to really question your worth and you start to really question God because you're like, okay, God, you saved me. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? What are we doing here? What yeah. are we doing? You know? Um, and I think for me in particular, I'm a grandiose thinker, meaning like I'm a very romantic person. Like I make much ado about nothing. Yeah. Like that is my personality. So for me in particular, I think it was a very dangerous line of thinking because I think that what God, what I think my life is going to be is God's like, you're going to live a very normal life. <laughs> and what you're called to do is live that normal life yeah. and deal with and that's it. Okay. Right. That's okay. You don't, yeah. you don't gotta be the guy that does this big, amazing thing. Right. You don't gotta be the person who has all the success. You're going to have a wife that loves you and a daughter that loves you and a family that loves you. And yeah. you're not going to experience that much bad stuff either. Maybe like right. you may not experience like crazy trauma or anything, yeah. but it's because trip would, would find some way to, take that bad experience and make it into something that it's not like yeah. I, I have the personality and the, the shortcomings and the sin that would make me be like, I'm gonna, this makes me special yeah. or I'm going to do something. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So for me during that time, I just came to the point where I'm like, I'm sure God does have a plan. Yeah. And I'm sure that all the things that happen are part of it. But I just started to view it as like, it's not so much about him planning out all these things. It's that these things happen, but the end result is the same. Right. Like going once, once again, going back to Philippians, if he started a good work in you, he will finish the good work in you. Right. And if you expand that to look at all of creation and he started a good work in creation, he said it was good. And all this bull crap we did in between doesn't change that original proclamation of it. It was good. Yeah. So in the end, it's still going to be good. So I just kind of started viewing like the idea of God's plan being like, it doesn't matter what we do. We can't screw it up. Like, like, <laughs> like we can do everything we want to mess yeah. it up. We can make the wrong decision. We can make it about ourselves. We can do all that stuff in the end, God and his glory and his majesty and who he is, is the end result. It was going to work out. Right. See, you're almost a Calvinist. We'll get you there. Bro. <laughs> I, I, bro, listen to me. I'm like, I'm at this point convinced that like the Calvinist Arminianist debate is so point. Like it's the same. It's the same. It's basically the same. Y'all, the, just the bolts and nuts are different. Was it you that was telling me about arguing with a guy for hours and hours? 
in college, bro. Yeah, maybe. my freshman year of college, every night. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. night <laughs> we would be in the lobby arguing about it till one up, o'clock. In the yeah, morning. end up going to Checkers after hours in Atlanta, <laughs> getting food, coming back, oh. talking about it some more. Oh, I mean, man. every night it yeah. was just endless, just endless. And it's just like at a and certain point, I'm like, fruitless I, I feel like we're out. saying the same thing, like. Yeah, yeah. Aren't we just saying the same thing, just in a different way? <laughs> different like, this names. is ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah. I love yeah. it. And, so, yeah. So it's not that you don't think that God has a purpose for your life or that he can use bad things to accomplish his purpose. It's that you don't like the idea of people being so flippant with those words. It's, yeah, that's part of it. Um, it's that I don't think God intended me to have a drowning accident and a wreck. I had those things. Yeah. I don't think in the beginning of time, God necessarily, he knew, but he didn't cause. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like he knew that would happen, but he did not put the, like he did not press the button to say like, let me make this happen. (laughs) Terrible thing. Right. Like, like God knows, but he's not causing those things because for him to cause it, for him to cause any evil would make him evil. Like when I do evil, I'm evil. You know, that's what we call the problem of evil, right? Right. Exactly. So for me, I just go, God knows these things are going to happen, but I don't think he's causing them. Like God didn't choose. Like, do you know who David Platt is? Yeah. I have a, Oh, I have a terrible, terrible, (laughs) terrible bias against David Platt because of one thing he said at passion conference two years ago. He told this story. He did a sermon that was about the Great Commission. Right. And why it's so important. And he had this sermon where he told this story about a little girl in Asia. At She grows up this horrible life. Her family's poor or whatever. i this story before. They come, this group comes to her family and says, hey, she can come work with us and we'll send money back and all this stuff. She gets sold into sex slavery. Right. So she spends her whole teenage years as a sex slave into her 30s, right? Eventually, she dies from a disease that she contracted as a sex slave. Right. And he tells this horrendous story, like the worst thing you've ever listened to a preacher say in your life. (laughs) And he ends it by saying, and here is the real tragedy, that because she never knew the name of Jesus, never even heard the name of Jesus, she is suffering more now than she ever did in life. And that just put me on like, like he said that he thinks everybody, whether they've ever heard the name of Jesus or not, is destined for hell unless they hear the name of Jesus and believe. Even if you believe that, I don't understand the presentation of it that way. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone that Second, route. Secondly... <laughs> Secondly, to me, it's like, if that's true, and I take the belief that God ordained these things to happen, then I must believe that God ordained that that girl would suffer horrendously for her whole right, life, right, only yeah. to be like, hey, as you, here's another kick in the pants. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so for me, I just have to go, I don't think God's causing this stuff or choosing this stuff. This stuff is happening, and God knows it's going to happen. Right. But he's not, God's not planning on me to do that. I did that. That happened to me. I got you. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, it does. Yeah. It does. And I, I, we, we started into that conversation one night. 
And then oh, we got interrupted. At scramble, yeah. Okay. After after class one night, mm-hmm. when we were all laying around in a sweaty pile, and we started into that, and because uh, you said something about drowning, yeah. And I was thinking, this guy didn't drown. Yeah, he's still here. And then we, yeah. I said something. Technically, and, so I've learned in the last year, it's not technically a drowning, although it is a drowning. It's yeah. called a shallow water blackout. So what happens okay. is you hold your breath for too long. The carbon dioxide in your system is built up. You pass out underwater. You black right. out. You narc out. And once you narc out, you inhale water. Because your body starts breathing. Because it's, you don't control your breath. Right. You know, like you can make yourself hold it. But it's like when you get choked <clears throat> unconscious in jujitsu, you go to sleep and you start snoring. You're yeah. not snoring. You're trying to breathe and they're cutting off your airway. Right. You know, that's like what's happening yeah so same thing i basically got put unconscious underwater and started inhaling water um and so when i got pulled out i had like three gallons of water in my lungs or something crazy so but we started into that and you said you drown and i was like you drown huh and then you were like yeah i drown and then i had this other car wreck one time (laughs) this guy's a liar too (laughs) and i was like okay well we we talked enough about it that i understood where you were coming from yeah and then I said, well, man, God must have some plan for your life. And now you're yeah. like, I hate when people say that. Yeah. So that's how we got into that. And we never yeah. like, were able to kind of get it beyond that. So that's why yeah. I asked again tonight. Yeah, I think mainly it's not even it's not even the belief. Like I'm, most people believe it. Yeah. Even like people who are not super religious. Yeah. But, and I think it just, it sets people up. On both sides of the line, it sets people up for failure. One side, it sets up to believe God's this horrible dude that made every bad thing that's ever happened to me right. happen to me. And he's hoping that I turn it into a diamond. Mm-hmm. Like he gave me coal and wants me to turn it into a diamond. Yeah. That's insane. And then people like me, it sets up to be like, I got to do something great and amazing. Right. And if yeah. I don't, then maybe God wasted one of his Trump cards on me. <laughs> or maybe he wasted two on me, you know, like yeah, if, I don't, yeah. if I don't pan oh, out, no, we're like I'm one of God's like, you know, draft picks and I just, just didn't pan out. Fumbled on the, the one. Ryan right? leaf yeah. of God's draft picks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah. I don't know it. Uh, that's int- I just thought it was an interesting perspective. Yeah, to say that if you didn't like it when people were like, "You must have a plan yeah. for your life," because it's easy to say. We always say that, right? Dude, I, I catch myself saying it. Yeah. I catch myself being like, "But what I've tried to change the saying is like this idea of like, like I said, like I don't know what his plan is, but I know what the end result is." Yeah, like. I know what the end result is. I believe I know what the end result is. Yeah, so yeah. that's enough for me. Like that's I guess it, I gotta yeah. just keep on trucking. It's just up to us to <laughs> serve the kingdom, die and be forgotten. Yeah. That's the name of the game. Yeah. I guess we'll jump off there. Okay. It's a good stopping point. Yeah. But thank you for coming Dude, back. Anytime. And, anytime. Well, yeah, we'll do it again. I can sit and talk for hours. I'm how, good at how it. How long have we been on this time? <laughs> Hour fifteen. Hour fifteen. Go, okay, yeah. cool. Yep. It's like three hours worth of total podcasting time and all that's awesome. Man. But, thank uh, you, bro. Appreciate yeah, man, it. Thank you. Yeah. God bless you guys. We love you. See you next time. Thank you for watching Burnham Podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.